Yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> it's going to be me cutting out a whole lot of that. Of Okay. 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 No, go no, ahead. No, you first. You first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ad Nerdium. I am your host, Patrick Salerno, and with me is a wonderful friend of mine, Mary Sprague. Mary graduated from Washington College last spring, uh, spring of 2020, and was the recipient of the Sophie Kerr Prize, the largest undergraduate writing prize in the country. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, it's a sleepy day, but, you know, I woke up. It is a bit of a sleepy day. Uh, We have to re-record this episode, unfortunately, due to some technical errors, but that gives us a chance for a fresh new take, see if we can add on what you guys won't hear, (laughs) Um, and it gives me a chance to talk to my wonderful friend again. So this episode is titled Inspiration and Motivation. Two different subjects that intertwine in a wide variety of different ways. Before we get into that, uh, Mary, uh, you just had something accepted into a, a journal recently. I did. That's exciting. Do you want to tell the viewers about that? It is exciting. So um, my poem, or my prose poem, Anniversary, was accepted into the lit journal Monday Night, which can be viewed at uh, mondaynightlit.com. My poem will be coming out in the spring of 2021. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about years past this one. It's been so long. It has indeed. Um, (laughs) But yeah, be sure to keep an eye on that and we'll make sure we have a, a link in our description at the end for people to follow that. So I'm interested and I wanted to talk about inspiration and motivation with you because of what you had to do for the Sophie Kerr Prize in particular. Um, The Sophie Kerr Prize being the largest undergraduate writing prize is a very long-term project. You had to tackle this thing without really understanding exactly what would happen after you submitted it. You didn't know if you would be the recipient. You didn't know if you weren't. So let's First, I guess, for the, the viewers, what was this project in general? And then what was your project specifically? Sure. So the Sophie Kerr, the Sophie Kerr portfolio um, is put in at the end of senior year, usually in April. And then in early May, the entire English department and the president of the college Um, all gather together and read all the portfolios and pick this year it was six finalists and then soon before graduation the six finalists have a reading and the winner who was decided at that English department meeting is announced. So the portfolio for me I started writing it or collecting it Um, at the end of my junior year. Um, And I used mostly pieces from junior year and then senior year as I wrote them or edited earlier stuff. I guess my inspiration for the portfolio came... I mean, inspiration can come from absolutely anywhere, but specifically for... The portfolio, I wrote a lot about 
um, traumatic experiences, uh, sexuality, and um, intergenerational experiences, and how different, uh, how the family interacts with each other. Do you have a, (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Do you have a, a process uh, when it comes, because I think you're definitely right that inspiration can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And in our last couple episodes on NaNoWriMo, uh, which this is the third episode of, we we spent a lot of time talking about how it is a very accessible format, how it is something that is supposed to be a almost a democratization of writing. Yeah. For these newcomers, uh, or even returners who might be <laughs> struggling a little bit, do you have a process or any advice for them about where inspiration can come from or how to understand that that idea is inspiration and more than just maybe a preliminary thought? Right. I mean, inspiration absolutely can come from anywhere. And I don't think, like, once a thought, once an image pops into your mind, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be written down yet you can collect experiences or inspiration from any number of things at any number of times and then maybe you sit on it for a little while or maybe you write it down immediately and both are valid technique but I prefer to sit on it a little bit because it allows my brain to uh, percolate the idea a little bit, to run through sounds that I like or specific lines that I like. I feel like sometimes inspiration is classically attributed to a higher power or, yeah, or a Mm. genius or something. But I really think it comes from everywhere and... Any thinking or writing that you do on that idea, that character, is useful and um, educational. Because anytime you allow creative thoughts in your mind or express them in some outer way, you're learning something about yourself and learning how you interact with the world around you. The 2019 uh, Writers Union t-shirt quotes Angel Nafis in um, writing is not done, it is completed in the act of sharing. So I agree and disagree about that because I mean sharing is not necessarily publication or any sort of outward recognition, academic recognition, but it's friends and family and maybe your dog, you know? It's for yourself in a way. And um, there's a certain part of inspiration or a facet of inspiration that comes from that wanting to share. Yeah. um, No, I love that. I I do remember, I forget what class and in what context you mentioned that idea of like the the genius, that kind of ephemeral spirit of the gods 
coming in to bless you with inspiration. And that certainly was that that notion of like that kind of eureka moment that it had to have been some sort of divine inspiration. And if you look at older texts, you see a lot of them rely on this, um, you know, God in the machine, the deus ex machina to um, be there to solve the problem in the end. You know, I'm thinking Euripides' Medea is a great example of this, where the end is literally uh, Medea flying away in in a chariot after having killed her two sons. (laughs) Spoiler. Um, And that's, you know, that's how this was solved. Or uh, even looking to different Shakespeare plays or... um, other plays at that time in the end it was the king right it was oh the king they saved us wow what a noble king um god saved the queen like wow or magic that restored everything in the end yes and you're right that that's not very useful in just being (laughs) like oh well you know it's it just doesn't come from you just sit there and eventually you know the spirit of god is going to tell you that (laughs) teletubbies is going to be the best show for kids yes exactly Uh, that's not usually the case um no no i mean maybe the inspiration a little bit behind teletubbies was I mean, uh, a genuine interest to educate children, or maybe they were thinking it would be the best, and maybe they were relying a little bit on a higher power since they put that baby's face in the sun. Plot twist, that baby is the machina. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They are the deus ex machina. Um, That baby is God. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's, that's how it is. Or gosh, what was the name of that other show? Um... It was the bear, the bear in the big blue house. Oh Did you God, ever watch I that one? Oh my God, I loved that one, yes. And they had the, the you know, uh, was it father, son, or grandfather, son, and grandmother, moon, or something like that? Oh, yes. I mean, the moon was definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, the bear in the big blue house. So this part's going to get cut a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, characters, characters. Where's the characters? That was a fun show. I do remember liking liking it. Me too. I liked... Cast. Well, I liked the house a lot, and I remember wanting to live in a house like that. And I probably still do. I'll have to so check the, what the house So the moon, like. Luna, mm. was in 108 episodes. But the bear was only in 46? <gasps> Hold on. What? This, there has to be, maybe there There must have been like a second person that played Bear. Oh. Th- that Like that's the only, right? Like that's the only way that. Yeah, because <laughs> the bear is Jack the, dog. the whole point. No. How is, how is, that can't be right. Is there a how different is the How bear? is Luna in 108 episodes, and but the, the bear... bear only in 46? Anyway, that's going to get cut. Uh <laughs> Where were we? Very good. Uh, Teletubbies. Right. Deus Ex um, Machina. They, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we look at this inspiration as this magical moment. And I think that can create some frustration mm-hmm. because there is an expectation that this needs to happen now. 
And why am I not doing good? Well, you know, uh, there must be something wrong because I don't have the answer now. Right. Or like, in uh, you have to write the great American novel. You know, the next poem that you write should be award-winning or... Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally true is that's what we expect. Yeah, we put a lot of... But no, like... Put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the ideas that we have, if they quote-unquote hold water, you know? Yeah. No, I do get that. And... Hold on, I lost my train of thought because I'm still thinking about Bear and the Blue House. Um, That's entirely valid. I think what NaNoWriMo can do, what taking courses in writing can do, and what just writing can do in general mm-hmm. is show you that the the path or the inspiration is a lot less magical. And it just starts with a thought. It just starts with an idea. As you said, inspiration for you can come from anywhere. Um, Kate, Mm -hmm. last week's uh, guest, said the same thing. You know, when she's creating characters, Mm -hmm. it can come from an idea. It can come from a news clip, a friend. It could come from something she saw or a childhood memory. Like, any one of those things can be an inspiration for a character for her. Uh, And I think that applies to the story as a whole. What is it going to be is what you just start allowing it to be. Mm -hmm. Allowing it to be, I think, is really important. Starting and then following what happens naturally with the words, um, with the lines. I mean, of course, you're writing and it's your hands on the keyboard. But sometimes once you start, it's just the poems game, you know, that you're just following, following along what this piece needs Mm. to be. Mm. And sometimes you can't plan it out because the ending you predicted might not be the one that's appropriate. Well, let's shift gears Uh, uh, then, since now we're talking about the plan, and let's bring in motivation. What, um, oh, yeah. so inspiration can come from anywhere, and so you get your inspiration. What then motivates you as the process is going? Because I think the way that I'm understanding these two terms and the way that I think we've been talking about it is that inspiration for us is that what is the click, that kind of idea, what kicks you into gear? The motivation Mm -hmm. is what keeps you going. Correct me if I'm wrong or if we should use the terms in different ways. No, that sounds great. So then what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going when you start a project? Right. Let's let's jump back to the portfolio. What kept you motivated for that? (laughs) Uh, Mostly the deadline. But um, other than that, (laughs) other than that, it was an urge to finish what I started through these four years of writing. Mm. It was an obligation to um, the writing community that had been formed in my classes, in my interactions, in the different senior workshops that came about where we would all sit down and work or read each other's stuff. And... uh, Having that community really helped me move forward because it wasn't 
something that I was doing alone. It was Mm -hmm. a bunch of peers, a bunch of friends, all working towards the same goal. And that was really helpful. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, Because it goes back to what you were saying about the the idea of sharing. Mm -hmm. That there is that act of creation in the sharing, both in that editorial sense, that community sense, but also I think with any story in general is half of the experience is being an audience member, of being a reader, of being a recipient of the story, of a listener. So uh, that idea of sharing transcends multiple levels of what it means to be a writer. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important to read your pieces out loud and also why one of the most useful workshops that I took at WAC um, was a playwriting class where we would come in with our work and then we would choose people to play the characters Mm. and they would read out yeah they would read the lines and you just had to sit back and watch them interpret that puts such an emphasis on how like separating yourself from the work because at some point you have to let it into the world and then people are gonna take it whatever way they take it it is a fascinating thing um Mm -hmm. because you look at let's say very pressing right now uh, everything going on with jk rowling yeah (laughs) and the community that grew up loving her books have almost collectively decided to kick her out of that community (laughs) absolutely (laughs) you know and it's that idea of can you separate the the art from the artist can you separate the words from the author Mm -hmm. it seems that at least in this case that is what the fans are trying to do is they're saying no these are our stories now not yours uh yes you wrote them but it's us that matter we're the ones who took this world and made it what it is. Mm-hmm. We're the community that gave this its life. Yeah. And now we're yeah. going to be the authority on what these stories mean. Right. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Of course, yeah, when she published the books, she gave them up. And then although <laughs> she's tried to... Uh, amend those stories or change the stories by adding on the original work will always stand by itself and nothing about (laughs) the cursed child can change that (laughs) it's a fascinating thing because i understand stories mean so much to people and you Mm -hmm. know i grew up like liking them too but as you start to learn more about the messages that might have been sent through them and when those revelations are made to you you have to ask yourself you know is it worth keeping and right me personally i've kind of stepped away from those stories you know i used to be a much larger fan of them be more into the world i Mm -hmm. I, I will say i love and will always love butterbeer uh, I've never had it. It's so good. It's oh, so good. good. Um, <laughs> but besides for the Universal Studios products of butterbeer and pumpkin juice, which is also a very good drink, 
I don't need Ooh. the stories anymore. They were what they were to me. And yeah. when I, now that I learned about this author more and have under, understood the critiques that many communities have about her works and what she's been saying, particularly on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I realize that I can't look at the stories in the same way and I can't support the mm -hmm. stories in the same way. Yeah. So. No, I agree. That's just it for me on that. Anyway, <laughs> back to motivation. Sure. So motivation's hard. Yeah. Especially in this quarantine life. Uh, I'm struggling with it just in my classes, trying to keep up with the readings. You know, I'm feeling dumber and dumber, like every reading I have. Because yeah. it's just like, I'm looking at this text and I'm like, what is it saying? <laughs> I just don't get this. Right. And so sustaining motivation mm -hmm. takes a lot of effort. And I think it's a skill that our society, our culture is not very good at. Yeah. Because we're used to instant gratification. We're used to having what we need at our fingertips. And I'm not going to I'm not saying that to invalidate the the hard work and the effort and the care that so many people are showing throughout this pandemic. Mhm. Mm but I think it's evident that we we like things quick. We oh, just yeah. do. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that's a controversial statement. No. And so when things aren't quick and we're used to things being quick, you know, zapping something in the microwave, thawing something out from the freezer, yeah. you know, going and picking up, uh, you know, some uh, fast food or going to a Classic. fast casual restaurant. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. Absolutely. What do you do when you're faced with those moments of hardship with motivation? Right. Well... I think it's very important to allow yourself to take break. That's another thing I think uh, we do as a society is that we're expected to just work 24-7. And um, taking breaks is good for you. It allows perspective. Um, it lets your brain breathe. It's really good. And I mean, it lets you do other things which is good because those other things also inf infect, uh, affect you as a person and will seep into your writing. Um, I think in the long term, motivation for me as the end goal is love and catharsis. Mm. Yeah. So love motivates because I love the page. I love making words or deconstructing traditional form or just making mistakes. It's fun and frustrating to make a lot of mistakes. Um, and it's a love of other work in any writing that you do you've been affected by what you read and your, uh, to quote Professor Mooney, um, you're stepping into the conversation with every writer before you. Uh, it's like, it's a long line. And catharsis, which I've 
researched the etymology of um, <laughs> is um, in Latinized Greek it means cleansing or purifying. Um, in English, it first appeared as a medical term for purging through vicarious experience. And I think that word vicarious is so important because um, once you put your ideas on the page, they're not living in your head anymore. And you can experience something outside of yourself. You can experience and understand the feelings. You're feeling better and then People, other people can read it and experience what you felt in that way. And maybe they'll learn something about it, learn something mm -hmm. about how they live in the world. And especially for the writer, getting that down can be a relief sometimes. It can be like if it's really been gnawing at you, if that idea has been sitting in the back of your head since second grade um it can be really nice <laughs> to get out no i love that yeah i love that um mm -hmm. going back again like to the catharsis the greek um yes whipping out all of the greek ancient theater knowledge mm -hmm. that i've gained um uh, it's interesting that you said love and catharsis, because mm -hmm. in Aristotle's Poetics, it's, you know, the, the, the goal of a tragedy is to evoke fear and pity mm -hmm. to build and then end in a state of catharsis, a state of release. Yeah. And I, I, I'm fascinated that you switched it to love in for your motivation, that that's what hooks you instead of fear, instead of sorrow, instead of pity. It's love. <laughs> And I think that's really sweet. Thank you. In the end, I love what I do. And I would like to do it forever. And uh, I think I'll keep doing it forever. Um, because I really like writing words. <laughs> I really like uh, making new words and reading new words. Um, Maybe not right now because I am it taking a very long break. Um, quarantine has turned my brain to mush, but I'll get back to it. I know I will because it's something that I have to do. No, that's wonderful, <laughs> and I think that's a I think that's a good place to wrap the episode up. Sure. Um, where can people find you, wonderful marry you, <laughs> if they want to uh, learn more about you, see your writings, get to know you? Where, where are you at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Twitter is at M underscore Spriggle, S-P-R-I-G-G-L-E. Um, and my Instagram is, uh, oh yeah, at M dot E dot Sprague, S-P-R-A-G-U-E, and um, I will soon be making a website, so I can, I'll probably update, uh, update that on both Twitter and Instagram, so. 
Keep well, your eyes there peeled. You go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Ad Nerdium. As always, please subscribe to the Radio Free George SoundCloud and Spotify to stay up to date on the latest episodes. If you want to keep up to date with the latest news of Ad Nerdium, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Ad Nerdium Pod. If you have questions you want to submit to the Stasis Chamber, our monthly episode where we bring back guests and have a more casual conversation, then email us at adnerdiumpod at gmail.com. As always... I'm Patrick. I'm Mary. Signing off. Live long and prosper. Thank you for watching this episode of Ad Nerdium, brought to you by Radio Free George. If you would like to stay updated on the latest Ad Nerdium news, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ad Nerdium Pod. If you have questions you want to submit to our monthly Stasis Chamber episode, a talkback featuring the guests of the previous episodes, email us at adnerdiumpod at gmail.com. Adnerdium is produced by Patrick Salerno and William Roach and edited by Patrick Salerno. Additional support is given by Eric Boddy, Evan Gaines, and Risen Means. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Free George's SoundCloud and Spotify for more episodes of Ad Nerdium and the other Radio Free George content. Thank you, as always, for listening to Ad Nerdium. This is your humble host, signing off. Mm-hmm.